For five years, people have been welcomed into countries that have kept them out using barbed wire. There were houses and jobs. Folks were happy to have people around to help them rebuild. It wasn't just one community coming together, it was the entire world coming together. And then boom, just like that, it goes right back to the way it used to be. To them, at least Carly's doing something. You really think her ends justify her means? Then she's no different than him or anybody else we fought. She's different. She's not motivated by the same things. Welcome to the Coffee Clash crew, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier review of episode four, the whole world is watching. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. Lewis took some time off to be with family this week, so it'll just be the two of us this time. But Jason, let's talk about that episode. I don't know about you, but as soon as I finished episode four, I was quite speechless for how dark Marvel went this time around. It was a great episode, and I could not believe that they ended on that scene. It was a darker episode, and it had less of a buddy cop feel. There was one scene where Bucky and Sam had a little bit of play, and I liked it. I like when they keep it minimum. You know, it doesn't have to scream buddy cop. But I like the overall theme. First, before I started watching it, I read the title of the episode and I was like, okay, I know where this is going. And then while watching it, I realized that our characters are all going through the same dilemma. And that's questioning themselves or deciding or figuring out how far they're willing to go to justify their own ends. We have Sam. And I feel like Sam is always having that clock in his head, that thought. How far am I willing to take this or whatever he's in uh, in order right. to do the right thing or inevitably do the right thing. And the Flag Smashers, Carly, I mean, this is a huge dilemma for her. She already has the weight of an entire society that has been plagued by the blip on her shoulders. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I think she's a good person. And we saw glimpses of that with Sam talking to her one-on-one. -on -one. But in actuality, I think we can all agree her ends don't justify her means. I agree. I think that conversation with Sam came at the right point in her character development, where it alluded to the path that she could be going down, where she's going to have to come to a point of making a decision which way she wants to go. Does she want to go towards more of the revolutionary rebel if uh, with a cause type path, if you will, and doing something good? Or does she go down the supremest end of the path that no one likes? And while they all understand what she's doing, she's not going to be painted in the picture that she wants to be painted in. So like I said, it was a very good episode and that conversation was very pivotal for her character. Hopefully it pays off in the next couple episodes. Over the years, Christina and myself in these podcasts, we've talked about the importance of a good bad guy, a good baddie. Yeah. And we've covered shows and movies where the bad guys had no background no reason for what they were doing. They did not pull at our own strings in far as I understand why they're doing it, but you know, I wish they weren't doing it this way. And I think Marvel's doing a great job with establishing that for the Flag Smashers. And they've done that in the past too. Marvel's really good with their characters. Yeah, and they've gotten a lot better. Like, I can remember Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. You can kind of get the background for the villains in their first movies, but they've done a much better job. Even Zemo this time around, they took somebody that, like we were saying in earlier episodes of our podcast, that he just wanted to see the world burn, essentially, and break down the Avengers. Here, you get a lot more of his backstory, and you get more of that emotional tie that we're getting with Carly as well. So yeah, they've, they've really fleshed everybody out, and it makes it really hard to truly hate 
the quote unquote villains in the show and the bad people, you kind of see them almost as an anti-hero status versus a true villain perspective. Absolutely. Speaking of villains, I'm just going to bring this up at the top. Okay. In doing research, as you would for the podcast and reading everybody's opinions online, watching videos of reviews, there's a lot of smoke about Sharon. And is she actually a bad guy? Is she the power broker? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I know I proposed that in one of our spoiler sections in a previous episode where I think that she could be the power broker. Seeing her this episode, and we can get into much more details in the spoiler section later, but seeing her this episode, I think she's just someone that is super well connected. You know, she might have been influenced by the power broker, but I don't think anymore that she is the power broker. Like I said, I'm sure there's still some connection there, but I don't think it's her herself. If it was her, she would have been able to do a lot more this episode versus just make a few phone calls and get to a satellite that she has. I think it'd been a little bit different play for her. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sold on it either, but this idea of her being the puppet master and kind of using everybody else as pawns to get done what she needs to inevitably. I don't think that's out the window yet. A lot can be explained and, you know, she stays out of harm's way in this episode, but she also kind of gets all of them together to fight. Right. Last episode, you know, one would ask, well, if she is the power broker, why would she have her men blow up, blow up Dr. Nagel and and his lab? But then we could go down. I mean, we could talk forever. They were saying maybe that's not really Dr. Nagel. I don't know. At this point, I think it's too early to know. If she is the power broker, and like I said, we can get into this later in the episode when we talk about your theories for Sharon. Sharon blowing up Dr. Nagel and his lab and attacking everybody in the shipyard could really just be a way of covering her tracks and saying, okay, people that are getting too close to this information, too close to finding out what I'm really doing. So let me just get rid of it and play the the naivety person and not know what's going on, but covering up my tracks to make it that I don't get found out. But before we get too much deeper into the episode and talking about all of our theories and spoilers, let's dive into the Marvelverse and take a deeper look into the new characters from this episode. We didn't get too many new, new characters to the MCU, but we did get some new characters or characters that we saw only quickly, briefly, got them into this episode. I really wanted to kind of do a little quick refresher here. So this episode, we got some more of the Dora Milaje come in. Now, we've seen them in Black Panther. We've seen them in other MCU movies. But as a quick refresher, they are the Black Panthers, special forces, security guards, etc. The highly skilled fighters in Wakanda. So it was great that they were able to come back and we saw more of their fighting styles later on in the episode against John Walker and Battlestar. So it was nice to see that they came back and still playing off the conversation that we had with Io last episode and... And the first opening scene of Bucky's rehabilitation efforts in Wakanda to kind of show how much of an influence Wakanda has on Bucky. Yeah, they're badass. They have the best technology, the best fighting skills. And let's be honest, they have the best style. They look dope. I love the way Marvel opened up this episode with this scene of Io and Bucky. It gave us the perspective we needed to understand their relationship. You know, if they didn't do that, I don't think the scenes between them or the fact that the Dora Milaje was around, I don't think it would have meant as much to us as viewers. But with them giving us the setup of the fact that Io was, it looks like, the catalyst of making Bucky better. And they did cultivate a pretty good relationship in Wakanda. Now when they're on the scene, we have a background. We can care more. 
And that's, again, another example of really well-done character treatment provided by Yeah, Marvel. it's another great layer to Bucky's character, right? And while we saw him going through parts of the rehabilitation, if you will, in previous movies, it's nice that they're starting to fill in some of that background. We don't get much. I think it was about 30 seconds in the opening part of the episode. But just the emotion and the process that they went through and... Cadotes to Sebastian Stan's acting chops here for showing all of the emotion and the thoughts that he was going through in that short little snippet. It's wonderful how much you're able to see and care more about Bucky now as a person and understand what he's gone through being told in such a short little snippet of time. Yeah. And the fact that they did it in 30 seconds, they were able to establish enough background where our brain can kind of fill in the rest. Right. They know what parts of stories work well to pull out the right emotions, Mm. not just in the movies, but in the books as well. So it's great to see that it's just really great storytelling and really great writing and character development. And I honestly wish we could have gotten these shows years ago Mm. because it's just really great TV. And it just really makes me excited to watch every week. With that, let's go a little bit deeper into the episode and some of the other scenes. The next big scene in the episode was the scene in the cemetery Mm. with Carly Morgenthau and some of the other Flag Smashers where... Tanya Madani has already passed away and Carly and her compatriots are kind of reflecting on what does that mean. You can tell that Dania had some importance and some impact on the group overall. And I just thought that the scene was really kind of powerful to give you some idea into Carly's background and into her thought process of what she's trying to do. And it's more so than just rebelling against the system. It's also about helping to make sure... The next scene that stands out to me is the cemetery scene. We get to find out where they're hiding the rest of the vials, and we get to see that they do have a a decent amount left and a really cool hiding spot, by the way. I mean, geez. (laughs) Yeah, I would not have expected to look there. So that was cool. Tying the plot thread from last episode, saying that there was 20 vials that were ultimately made, but they had only used eight, so it's nice to see that they had the rest still. Yeah, and we got to see Carly and what she's going through emotionally with her secondhand man. And of course, because he's going to die this episode, they gave us a lot more insight. He had a lot more talking points. We got to see that he's a he was a really big fan of our cap, Steve Rogers, growing up, which is kind of crazy that then he ends up dying with the emblem that he loved as a kid. I was wondering, as soon as she put that fanny pack on with all the vials, I was like, why would you take them all? Everyone knows the saying, never put all your eggs in one fanny pack. And she did just that. If she had one or two with her, because that was a good hiding spot, put the rest back in the hiding spot. When Zemo crushed those vials, it would have only been one or two and wouldn't have been that much of a a problem. And of course, you know, the butterfly effect, then crap cap wouldn't have had one there. Why on earth did she just go from, we're going to hide these really well to, I'm just going to hold all of them, the rest of them on my body. That is a good question and maybe a plot hole. But I was kind of thinking is that, you know, they, they tested eight with the leaders of the Flag Smashers, and they had no adverse reactions. There was no problems that they had, right? So the next phase of their plan is to use all of them with more of their second-tier leadership group, if you will, to do something bigger later. Completely agree that putting everything in the same spot and taking them all with you is probably not great, especially since they know that Wilfred Nagel is dead and they can't replicate the serum anymore. But that could also have been the other part of the decision is that if this is all that is left, I want it with me so I know where it is at all times versus like someone potentially finding my hiding spot on accident or, or something happened to it, you know, but I probably would have done the same thing. I would want to keep them all with me to make sure that I, I knew exactly where they all were. After the cemetery scene, we see... 
John and Battlestar come back into the scene. And we know John is not, you said earlier, he's crap cap. Mm-hmm. He's not great. He's not as diplomatic or emotionally stable or as good as Steve Rogers was. And you can see him just kind of fly off the handle when he meets up with the guys in the streets of Riga. I thought it was fairly interesting here to see more of John's character in the quick little snapshots, but of how much of a, and this will obviously pay off later in the episode, of how much a balance that Lamar is for John. Mm, yeah. Where John's the guy that flies off the handle, but Lamar's the one that pulls him back a little bit. Yeah. Right. And says, no, no, no. Okay. I get you're upset, but did you think about this route? So it's a little bit of a dichotomy with Steve and Bucky, where Steve was the calm one, but Bucky was the one that was more emotional and flew off the handle a little Hmm. bit. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting that they flipped that in these roles of Cap and his sidekick are are different. You know, for John, this all goes back to, I think it was episode zero or episode one, I brought up the fact that they shouldn't have tried to make him a new Captain America. Instead, they should have given him a new name, a new look, because... That's one of the things that I think is weighing heavily on John is the fact that he feels inadequate. He feels deep down inside that he cannot fill Steve Rogers shoes, which right away makes him envy Steve, envy Bucky for having superpowers. And you can see it building this whole episode. Then he gets beat up by people that don't even have superpowers. And I got beat up all, (laughs) you know, all coming to a head towards the end where he finally takes the steroids. But we all saw this yeah, coming. Yeah, and there is... Yeah, we all saw this coming for sure. And we've even talked about it here in, in previous episodes of the podcast of where the super soldier serum amplifies what is already there. That harkens back all the way to the first Captain America movie. The reason it worked for Steve and not the Red Skull is because Steve's a good guy inherently and the Red Skull just has bad tendencies, so it makes him worse. It's nice that that still carries through even though this version of the super soldier serum has been perfected, quote unquote, mm-hmm. by Wilfred Nagel, but it still amplifies what's already there. Yeah. So with Carly, she's still good at her core, right? So it amplifies that a little bit. Yeah, sure. Like we said earlier, she's got some choices to make as to which direction down the path she needs to go. But we see with John, he's already got that kind of simmering rage underneath of him. And just being intimidated by Captain America's legacy that he has to fulfill now is really, you know, weighing heavy on him, like you said. So it's just going to amplify more of that. It's going to make him even more aggressive. It's going to make him even more angry and more fly off the handle than he already is. So it's nice that it's still kind of carrying through so we don't forget about that theme for that last scene of the episode that we saw where he totally went off the handle and almost off the reservation. It's nice to see that all those breadcrumbs have been led there so it actually is a proper payoff versus coming out of left field. Let's talk about Danya Madani's funeral. We don't get too much of the funeral itself. Carly does give a eulogy. But she sees that Sam is there in the upper levels because he wants to try to talk to her while, you know, Zemo has been handcuffed to some sort of radiator or boiler. And John's just pacing back and forth, impatiently waiting for the time to get up. But this is where we also see a lot of the character development for Carly herself. She has a plan or she has an idea and she's singularly focused on this. And then Sam comes in and has a conversation and utilizes his training from dealing with people with PTSD and warriors coming back from war and helping them to get over their grief. It was just a really nice conversation that they are able to have there, kind of almost on the sweet level. It was a nice little break of refresher, if you will. Yeah, it was the calm before the storm, for sure. 
Exactly. I enjoyed those scenes. I think they acted well off of each other. And I felt that they were finding a lot of common ground. And if Crap Cap didn't come in and mess it up, I think they were getting somewhere in their conversation. They were. Not that he would have fixed it and she would have been like, okay, you're right. Never mind. I'm just going to stop. But they were going to find a common ground and maybe work together to do it the right way. Or maybe she would give him a chance to help them out and do it the right way. Right. But then it wouldn't be a good show, huh? (laughs) No, there wouldn't have been that tension that's building like you would normally see at the end of act two of a movie. Yeah. which is essentially where we are now at this point. Yeah, you need you need some more conflict, essentially, before you get to a resolution. Because you've ended it here, he's like, oh, okay, that was a little too easy. <laughs> but it was nice that they made that connection. After Sam and Carly have their conversation and John bursts in and there's that scuffle, Zemo corners Carly. And to your point just a few minutes ago, here's where we see all of Carly's eggs or vials in one backpack or vanny pack <laughs> comes to be an issue. Because Zemo finally sees those vials that he's been after. to destroy. And I personally thought this a little early, but I was expecting this maybe more in episode five, not episode four from a timing perspective, Mm -hmm. because I fully expected Zemo to find the vials and and break them up because that's essentially what he's trying to do, right? He's trying to get rid of all super soldiers. So it's nice to see that there is this payoff here, but because they've been leading to everything with John, he obviously has missed one. (laughs) The question I have here for you, Jason, are we going to see Zemo again the series after he left? Oh, that's a good question. Because essentially his his story's kind of done, don't you think? You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure. It depends on where they go with this. Are they going to start now leaning more into the power broker and he becomes more important in the storyline and then Zemo comes back into play in a future movie? I think that's possible. Yeah. I think you might be right there. Or maybe it's the last time we see him interacting with our heroes, but we maybe we see some scenes of him doing something else, setting something else up. I'm not sure. My money is on he's going to be in one of the two after credits scenes that we get setting up something future in an MCU movie because I fully expect them to bring him back again. Mm -hmm. There's more that he can do, especially if they're building to the Thunderbolts. They need him to kind of lead it. So that's where I'm expecting they're going. So hopefully, hopefully I'm right. After the fight, after the funeral, we go back to Zemo's hideout and... John bursts in the door and they start to have the conversation around what to do next and how everything went foobar in John's opinion. But it's really Sam's blaming John for saying, hey, you know, you screwed up, you went into early, et cetera, et cetera. And this is where we get the Dora Milaje to come back into the scene. And Io says that Bucky's time to get turn Zemo over is up. We've been building towards this tension now of when is Zemo going to have to go back to jail for a couple episodes. We've been building towards the tension of You know, John wants to do good by Captain America, but he wants Sam and Bucky's help, but they're not going to give it to him. They're trying to get the Flag Smashers. It just failed. So there's this kind of pressure-releasing fight or conversation that we get, which I thought plays very well in all the character development that we've seen, all the breadcrumbs that we've seen. But the first introduction between John and the Dora Milaje was... I I personally laughed at it when I saw it first. Hmm. Because you see John saying, oh, I'm I'm Captain America. How are you doing? And they just look at him and like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're crap cap. Yep. We know the real Captain America. You're not him. Let us talk to the real players. You go sit down and get out of the way. And obviously that doesn't bode well for John's frail male ego at this point, if you will. Mm-hmm. So that leads to a fight. And you can see that John, while he's got some training, he's just not at the same level that the Dora Milaje are. And I thought it was great that Sam and Bucky were like, yeah, you go fight. You, you have yeah. fun. We'll wait till you're done. I love that scene. 
I, I wanted them to continue to just watch and let Cap get his ass kicked, you know? Yeah, knock him down a peg and, and show him where he is in the hierarchy, if you will, of all the players that are in the room or just in, life, in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got a few pivotal scenes there. First of all, awesome fight scene. This show has been like that. It's The choreography is amazing. But we got to see that... And after we see it, I'm like, of course they did. We got to see that Bucky's fancy arm, which was gifted to him by the Wakandans, of course they're going to have an ability to essentially turn off that weapon with a little right. pressure point. Boop, doof, eject. I love that. Did you know you could do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. You know, and, and it does make sense that if you give somebody that's been brainwashed a very advanced piece of machinery, which we know can do more things now, right? It's not just an arm that gives him some strength and other abilities like his first original arm. There's more built into it that we have to figure out. So if they're going to do all of that, it makes complete sense that there is a deactivation button that only they know about so that if he does go back to his Winter Soldier ways, they have a way to kind of neutralize him if they need to. Mm -hmm. So it was great. All right, let's get to the final fight scene. There's so much that happened here. I'm surprised it, it wasn't half of the episode. It huh. kind of felt like it because there was just so much packed into it. Yeah. We get Carly calling Sarah, harking back to the conversation that she had with Sam earlier and says, hey, you know, I understand crap cap is bad. I believe Sam. I need you to get in, in touch with him for me. And oh, by the way, if you don't, I know where you live. I know where your kids live. You know who I am. I don't want to go down this route, but I can if I have to. So that obviously scares Sarah into helping her out and calls Sam. And Sam obviously is Pissed very off. concerned. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, shit. But with John leaving, we have Sam call up Sharon. Can you track John for me? It was nice that we saw Sharon here again. I honestly thought that we weren't going to get her this episode, that she was just going to ride off into the sunset after last episode, and we'd get her coming back later, I would think, episode six. So it was nice that they were still in touch and still calling in favors with her. So we can still kind of see we're building additional layers into her character of who she is now. Um, so that was a nice touch. I really did appreciate that. So then before we get to the actual fight scene, there is the, a conversation between Lamar and John. John, at this point, is weighing if he should take the super soldier serum. Mm. And he asks Lamar, what would you do? Would you even, would you do it? And Lamar basically says, yes, I would, you should. We've proven ourselves worthy of it. You have these three medals of honor that no one else has. You should. John alludes to the fact, he's like, yeah, we got that because we were in some not so great stuff, but everyone thinks we're great, but we went through some shit in Afghanistan for it. I just thought it was a really interesting conversation to play off between the two of them. We haven't seen too much interaction up to this point between Lamar and John, but not only does it give you insight into their relationship, but it also shows that, you know, John relies on Lamar for a lot mm -hmm. not just to kind of keep him grounded and say no this is the route that you need to go cool your head off a little bit but also as a genuine just friend a sounding board of something it's like hey i've got this problem do i what should i do yeah. so i thought that was really nice i agree with you that conversation i think meant a lot in regards to their characters and our understanding of them and the fact that lamar inevitably dies it means a lot more to us because we know a little bit more but john is asking that question metaphorically lamar is not aware that he actually has a vial I'm wondering right. if he was aware, you know, 
you ever think you're talking to friends and you're thinking metaphorically and you're like, well, if I had a million dollars, I would do this. But then <laughs> someone actually gives you right. a million. You're like, oh, wait, I got to really think about this now. Right. So that's why he was so flippant. I'm loving the fact that John is actually painstakingly trying to decide if he's good enough to take it. He knows he's got demons and he's wondering, would these demons come out of me if I took this? Mm-hmm. And his boy gives him, I think, just enough self the wrong self-reflection to think he can. And then, of course, getting his ass kicked by regular humans doesn't help. It was almost kind of like the conversation Sam and Bucky had last episode. Mm -hmm. We're like, hey, hypothetically, if X, Y, and Z happened and Zemo broke out, how would you feel, Sam? (laughs) You know, it was kind of like that. When you have a friend that you're good enough friends with and they come up and they ask these hypothetical type questions, you can kind of understand it's not that actual hypothetical. You know, like you were saying, is that mm-hmm. Lamar probably assumed that he had a vial, right? You think that, so? I think so. I think it was kind of understood. And I don't think that John actually had taken it at this point yet. No, that's why he was... I think, yeah, he, that's why he was kind of having that those questions. It's like, okay, what should I do with this? Should I break it? Should I turn it in? Should I take it? All those type of things. I don't think are, he knew. I don't think he knew really? about it. Yeah, I think he was thinking, like, if we get our hands on it. Sure. Well... Okay. Because John at this point is almost embarrassed with his desire to have that much power and with the fact that he feels like he's not good enough to be Cap. He's getting his ass kicked. I think he was almost embarrassed, and that's why he wasn't saying, like, I have a vial, dude. Sure, but if I came up to you, if we're in those situations, and I'm like, hey, if would you take it? Would you take the Super Soldier Serum that where you just fought somebody that had it? I think while it wasn't explicitly stated, Lamar might have known that they were getting close, or at least John had... Hadn't just hadn't said anything. I don't know. That's the way I took it. So let me ask you, would you? And I'm saying you in your life right now, not if you were John. I don't want this to come across conceited, but I think I'm in the point of life where I don't need it. Okay. You know, where I'm happy with how life has gotten me to this point and comfortable with where life is going that I don't need some extra lift to get me over a hurdle that's coming up. Mm, Good for you. You I'd take that shit. I'd take it right now. Oh, it's just because you want to beat me in competitions with Apple Watch. That's all. Uh, I think I would like join the UFC, <laughs> kick some ass, become a millionaire. You know. Sure. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll go to the Olympics, run track. Wow. Uh, yeah. Just make sure your demons don't come out. Okay. So then, after we get the conversation with Lamar and John, we kind of get all of these little plot threads coming to a head of Sam and Bucky. Even though Carly said come alone, Sam brings Bucky, but Sam and Bucky go and meet Carly to have a conversation of like, "Hey, we I kind of trust you. Let's work this out." They then get interrupted by John and Lamar coming in, somehow tracking everybody, and we get this fight scene. I know we've said that every single episode is going to have some major fight scene because we know stunt people have said it feels like an action film every single episode. So it's nice that this was our big fight set piece. And I particularly liked that we had the callback to of Bucky with the knife that we got in Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Him just handling the knives and uh, John's going, why is it knives? It's like, well, so Bucky can do his cool thing with the flipping. It's <laughs> thing. Also, if everyone had guns, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be the same kind of action. For sure, you know? for sure. But it also, it kind of speaks to how John feels too, right? Like we saw earlier is that he, I think it was on top of the train where he just pulls out his gun to shoot somebody <laughs> instead of actually having a fight. Yeah, He just wants to take the shortcut route. But this is where we see, and personally, I was kind of expecting this, Lamar dying. From John's character perspective, to really push that rage to where we need him to go in this story, mm-hmm. 
and the, just the type of person that he is in the comics, you kind of needed his his conscience to go away. He, need, he needed that person that says, hey, John, calm down. You needed him to go away. So I was kind of expecting Lamar to bite the dust okay, yeah. next episode. But this is what really kind of makes, like I said, makes John snap yep. and get us to the point where he decapitates one of the Flag Smashers in front of a hundred-ish so of people, all with cell phones, and just... As the title of the episode goes, the whole world is watching John do this. So now we're in this position of John has the serum. He's done several other things that we've seen Steve Rogers and Bucky do. You know, they land on top of a bus and crack it. They're able to bend a pipe with their bare hands. Um, So you can tell he's got the serum and like the breadcrumbs have led us through the entire series so far up to this point. You can see it's more of the rage and not the great stuff that's coming through from John. So... I appreciate the payoff here, but yeah, we're we're at the end of the act two of a movie and saying, how do we resolve this? There's so much going on. I'm not, I was not surprised, to tell you the truth, that we got this John break. I would have expected a le- next episode, but what are your thoughts? Was this necessary for somebody to be decapitated? Well, there was a lot going on in these scenes. And of course, we saw this building up the whole episode with John and getting his superpowers. And there just needed to be that one last thing to make him flip. But besides that part, we had Carly trying to divide and conquer. So like you said, she did she did something that I don't think she enjoyed, which was calling Sam's sister to get Sam and Bucky to come to a different part of town while the rest of her soldiers are going to take out John and his home slice. And not because of the excuse she gave Sam saying that, you know, we could kill you, but the government, that wouldn't stop anything. They don't actually care about you. No, it's because I think she actually likes Sam, does not want anything bad to happen to him, believes in him and sees good. But like us, she thinks that crap cap can go fuck himself. So that's what she's, <laughs> she was going to do. And if that plan went down, I think that would have been perfect. I would have applauded Carly and said, well done. You got rid of them. But of course, she didn't know that he had some super juice. So her plan goes to shite because Sharon lets Sam know, hey, um, it looks like Crab Cap is in trouble. So now everything culminates in everyone fighting in that one building. You know, John, for all of his good intentions throughout every episode that we've seen, it's either he just needs more time, he needs to mature, he needs to grow up. He just goes, like I've been saying, off the handle, flies off the handle really too quickly and responds in ways that you can understand, but doesn't help. No, he's acting just like someone who has insecurities. You know, people that are the most insecure are the ones that bark the loudest, are the ones that react the wrong way and just get emotional and fly off the handle. If you're more secure with yourself, you deal with things a lot better. You handle things a lot better. He was the wrong person to pick. What we're missing, this show's missing, or what Marvel and our boys are missing, is that key component in the government that is on our side. You know, we don't have, you know, Batman had Commissioner Gordon. We need someone like that in the government. I don't know if that having that type of character right now would be beneficial because like we saw in WandaVision, we're seeing the the trauma and the fallout of the blip, right? Yeah. I think since they're focusing on that and they might be focusing that on the next couple of movies through like Doctor Strange, I don't think that's necessarily that important. I think the GRC was intended to be that good person to help get everyone back to where they're supposed to be. Obviously, they they're not going about it the correct way in some people's views. But I don't know. I don't I don't know if having a good 
side of the government right now is necessary for their story that they're telling. No, the not at all. story that they're telling. Yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the story needs it. I was saying as like a fan, if I was a person living in oh, that universe, sure. you know, someone on our side that would say, if we're going to do another cap, we have to do some background checks. We have to make sure it's the right one, oh, as sure. opposed to just being, you know... We need a superhero again, you know, someone for America. Yeah, but story-wise, I'm not saying I wish that they wrote in some sure. character like that. Yeah, I totally agree that outside of having in what appears to be an exemplary military background, you need to have more personality tests hmm. to have somebody that's closer to Steve versus someone that's closer to John yeah. for the next for the next gap. Totally agree that that's what's missing. One thing I'm having difficulty with is in regards to the Flag Smashers in Carly. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I actually really like her character, and I like the mm-hmm. Flag Smashers. I agree. Yeah, that's great. But what I'm having trouble with is understanding what their actual goal is and why they're doing this. And it's, maybe it's just me. I understand that after the blip, you know, borders were closed up again. You know, it was the world was working together, and people were living in newer houses. People that didn't have homes could have homes now because there was all this availability. And then the blip comes, and now these people are back. And let's say I was living in a house now, and now the blip comes and it was your house. You come back, you're like, I'm alive, dude. You got to get out of my house. So a lot of that was happening. And that's just, you know, that's a one thing that happened. Um, If you remember Spider-Man, they lost their house, but they just Mm -hmm. moved to another place. They didn't kick them out. Well, with with Spider-Man, that Spider-Man movie happens after this one. Yeah. Happens after Falcon Winter Soldier. So I'm sure there's they've fixed some things in their processes. Just like you, I really like Carly's character, but I kind of get it. And it was kind of explicitly stated this episode where the tide has risen for all of the boats that are remaining. So everyone's in a much better position than before the blip because you essentially eliminate the classes. There's no middle class, upper class, lower class, etc. All that's gone. Everyone's just trying to survive, right? So let's all help everybody out. Kind of that Star Trekian utopian future where Everyone helps each other out for the good of helping each other out. So that when everyone comes back, they're trying to reinstate everything that they knew from five years ago. They're trying to reinstate the upper class, the middle class, put everyone back, quote unquote, into their positions. And it's kind of like, for lack of a better description, once you taste sugar as a kid, you can't untaste it and you want it more. But then when somebody says, nope, you can't have sugar anymore, you're just like, but but sugar was good. I liked it. I want some more of it. It's kind of like that same feeling here where they knew and understood and lived for five years of just everyone helping everybody to be better. Yeah, sure. At some point in the future, most likely the class system would come back just because that's probably inevitable. But for immediately that to all be ripped away and being forced back into that position, I would probably rebel too, honestly. So I kind of get exactly everything that they're going through. And would I do it differently? Possibly. But no, I, I, I totally see where they're coming from. But what are they trying to accomplish? Like, what are they going to do? I think ultimately they're just trying to make it so, yeah, sure, you get half the population back. But let's still continue the mentality of everyone's helping everybody out. Let's be one world versus... You know, you have third world countries and first world countries. You have an upper, middle, and lower class. Let's not do that. Let's just help everybody else out. That's what I think they're ultimately trying to do. Okay. doesn't feel that way. I know she says it. Wrong. She says that, but yeah. I mean, she's killing people. That's why. Sam kind of brings that up. And even her, yeah. her compatriot brings that up early in the episode, too. It's like, we don't need to kill people to get to where we need to go. And the conversation that Sam has with Zemo feeds into the conversation Sam has with Carly around the path that looks like you're on is not great. Like you're more a supremacist. Mm -hmm. You can still do what you want to do or you can still get what you want to get, but just do it differently. 
but I think Carly might be at the point of where she's tried everything that she can think of. So she's just run out of options in her opinion, where Sam's kind of bringing her back of like, no, there's, there's a good way to do it. You still got options. Let's, let's go this route. Right. And obviously, and then they get interrupted and all that kind of stuff like we talked about, but I think that's ultimately where they're going to take Carly and her character. So the final scene, the scene that the title shows, the whole world is watching, seeing that shield and that anger just go through that guy's head. And then that last shot with the shield and blood all over it. I think that's going to become one of those Marvel iconic scenes that we're going to see, you know, pictures of and posters of. I mean, that was so brilliantly done. That's our shield, our love for Steve Rogers and blood all over it. Yeah, I know I've seen a picture a behind the scenes thing that I think Marvel has put out of the shield still with blood on it. And John Walker is kneeling in a warehouse looking sullen and sad and trying to process the emotion. The speculation was that it was going to be Lamar's blood that it accidentally, he killed Lamar. Oh, but I know I've seen behind the scenes shots of this scene that we got the decapitation. Like somebody was up in a building above the plaza that they were filming and they, Grabbed a quick cell phone camera of it. But I know, like I said, I know I've seen that picture of the shield with blood on it before. So while we'll have that image burned in our head, that I'm sure there's going to be another conversation about it next episode around what that actually means for John and Sam and Bucky. Because like Bucky said last episode, that shield means a lot of things to a lot of people. And to have it stained, it's going to have a big conversation around it with not only the general populace that watches the videos, but also within probably the U.S. government, within our crew, and obviously within John's head as well. Yeah, that hope is gone now. Yeah. So, all right, on a more lighter note, let's talk about ratings for the episode. Now, we're recording this a little bit earlier than we normally do, so a lot of these numbers could still change by the end of next week. But IMDb is currently rating this as a 9.1. Rotten Tomatoes has a 7.86 and an 89% fresh. But let's talk about our own ratings and the number of shields. Jason, what do you give this episode? I thought it was a really good episode, narrative-wise, character-wise, action-wise. I actually really liked Zemo in it. I kind of want him to become a good guy now because I like him as a person, as a character. And I liked it better, to be honest with you, than last episode. So I'm going to go actually the highest I've gone this season with an 8.6. So I'm going the highest as well that I've gone all season so far. If I could pick out almost the near perfect episode that I would expect from Marvel. And again, you know, we're getting to the end of act two of these six episodes. So the tension has been really built up. We started to see some things start to come to head from a plot thread perspective. There's still a couple little questions. Like we didn't get John taking the serum, which I thought would might've been nice to see. We get Carly putting all of her vials in one fanny pack, mm-hmm. like we were talking about earlier. So there's little, some little questionable things here, but this is probably as close to perfect as I can find at the moment. So I'm at a 9.5 for this episode. I know it doesn't leave me much room for the last two episodes to go even higher but this is kind of i know this is gonna be kind of a little controversial but i kind of see this pretty close to battle of the bastards from game of thrones of just being an overall really good episode nice for the series so that's why i went higher and now it's time to get our clatchers in on the conversation over at the digital water cooler over on twitter at ckc podcast every week after the episode airs we ask you who you think your mvs or your most valuable soldier is We give you a poll with four options. 
Usually that's because that's as much as Twitter allows us to have. And then we ask you to give your thoughts and opinions on the episodes in the comment sections. The poll is up for three days, so you definitely still have time to vote. Like I said earlier, we're recording this a little bit earlier than we normally do, so there is definitely still time to have an influence on these poll results. This week, we gave you four options. This week, we gave you John Walker, Carly Morgenthau, Lamar Hoskins, and Sam Wilson. Coming in at last place is John Walker. Now, admittedly, when I sent over Jason the names for this poll, it was really hard to figure out a fourth person. I was going to kind of give three. For me, I can see there was a lot of development in John. All of the breadcrumbs we've seen in previous episodes of this series has led to this point, I think. So we're not necessarily surprised. He does have a lot of character development, but maybe there's some hopeful redemption that's going to be coming in the next two episodes. But I can definitely see why he's a little bit lower on the list. Well, it's always difficult to vote for someone you don't like. I have to remind myself that these polls aren't about who you like the most in this episode. It's more of who's either winning the most or push the story forward the most. One could argue that John, even though his friend died, is winning because he got the power. But then right. you, could, you could argue the opposite way too because he's, he's lost a different kind of power, which is the power of the yes. people, the power of hope, the power of what that shield represents. He no longer has that after everyone sees this clip. Right. Yeah, I thought he had a lot of character development here. Again, he got what he's been looking for, like you were saying, Jason. That is why I included him in the poll. But then rounding out and currently tied for first place is everybody else, Carly Lamar and Sam. So feel free to vote and voice your opinions on who you think should be the most valuable soldier for this episode, and we'll talk about it next cast. But Jason, I'll turn it to you. Who is your MVS for this episode? Well, I can feel your struggles trying to put down these names because this is one of those episodes where no one wins. No one yep. has come out on top. Carly's plan to divide and conquer didn't work. Carly lost her vials. She also lost her second hand. Lamar's dead. Yep. And Sam, Sam right now is in the middle of everything and more reactive, which is understandable. He doesn't have control of what's going on. There's too many pieces the good guys are being bad guys. The bad guys are kind of good guys, but also being bad guys. I'm stuck here, man. I don't know who I actually want to vote for. So you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Duh. I'm, I'm going to go it's, John. John Walker. Yeah. It's a really difficult episode. Whenever we, we talk about most valuable character in any of the shows that CKC does, if no one's winning... Or if it's like an episode like this where everyone's just kind of down versus up, I'll say, from an emotion perspective or an action perspective. I kind of look at who's had some more of the character development that has either served the story correctly or has served the character well enough that you can understand, okay, this character is where they're supposed to be or where I was expecting them to be at this point in the episode. So it, it's definitely a tough one to pick. But for me, I went Lamar. Okay. And the reason I did is because I felt he kind of served his purpose. And really, there was not much more story that Lamar's character needed to do. Now, sure, I, there's been some critics that say, okay, did we need Lamar to die to progress John's story? Which I always kind of saw, even in the comics, Lamar was always just a sidekick to John and used to prop John up. So it fits from the overall source material. But if, if this is the last time we see Lamar, I wanted to give him a little bit of recognition for that, of being the character that he was supposed to be and playing the part that he was supposed to play. Dig it. 
Clatchers, remember, if you want to join in on the conversation, you can always comment under the poll or email us, contact at coffeeclasscrew.com. Or, of course, you can call us at 252-368-6606. And this week, one of our Clatchers, Melly, has called in. Hey, guys, it's Melly. First off, congrats for the podcast. I'm loving it, and I find it even more interesting than the show. I think you guys summed up well what Disney is doing by alternating between a series that is oriented towards weird stuff and magic, like WandaVision, and a series that is more straightforward and about combat, like this one. Personally, I prefer when MCU goes weird and magic, so I'm not so much into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I'm still enjoying your podcast very much. Uh, so far, I've enjoyed the scenes with the psychologist that allows us to understand better the character's psychology. And like everybody, I loved watching Zemo dancing. <laughs> That being said, I really hope you guys continue this MCU podcast by covering Loki. I watched a trailer recently and I have a very good feeling about it. It seems like it's going to be a mix of action, dark stuff and light touches of humor. And I even had a vibe of the good place at some point. So I would be curious to know if they got inspired by the Good Place series or if they are intentionally giving it a nod. So um, that's it for me. I don't have much to say, uh, but I thought it would be a treat for you guys to be blessed by my amazing voice. <laughs> And on this note, this round is on me. Thank you, Melly. Uh, we should say at the top, this was recorded before this episode. So she's speaking about yes. episode three. Yeah, thank you, Melly. Also personally excited about Loki and completely agree with you too that the psychologist scenes are some of the best scenes so far that we've gotten this series. So hopefully we see her come back like we talked about previously to give Bucky his sign off, fulfilling his government mandated court therapy sessions. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully she comes back. That'd be great. All right, and now it's time to jump into the quantum verse and look into spoilers, theories, and some speculation without expectation. So if you don't want to be spoiled, we'll see you next week as we review episode five of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. For those of you still around, I've got one big thing I want to talk about, but Jason, let's talk about your Sharon theories first. I know you had mentioned to me offline that you had some theories about Sharon, so I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, I did mention that to you, but then I thought, I mean, this would be too big of a conversation. We'd have to pull in so many theories and thoughts. But I do want to throw it out there that it's important to note that there's a possibility that she's not the good guy we thought she was. It's possible that she could be working for Hydra, and she has always been working for Hydra, even in the movies, a double agent per se, or that she's now working for Zemo and or the power broker, Or she is the power broker. And there's many scenes and many uh, reasons to back up all of these claims, although not all concrete. Her being a little brainwashed by Hydra is intriguing. Obviously, Hydra would know that she's Peggy Carter's niece and having her be brainwashed like Bucky by just not activated yet in any of the movies that we've seen before is an interesting twist on the Sharon Carter character. In the comics, they say when you cut off one head of Hydra, two more rise in its place. So even though we've theoretically eradicated Hydra from all of the MCU, uh, we still have Baron Zemo. So another person to lead in the background, Sharon or somebody else, would be quite intriguing. So the other big spoiler, and this is more in that speculation portion of it, is 
the writers and the showrunner Malcolm Spellman have alluded to there is a big cameo person actor showing up in episode five, which is next week. They're trying to keep it under wraps, very similar to the Mark Hamill end of Mandalorian season two uh, showing that we get for a couple seconds. This is not a Paul Bettany, oh, I've wanted to work with this person all the time. And, you know, last episode of WandaVision, I get to work with him and it turns out to be himself. It's not that level from what I understand. It is an actual bigger character, bigger name actor that comes in that's unexpected that plays out in episode five. My personal belief is that this is still Theodore Ross. So William Hurt coming back in. It could potentially be revealed that, that he is the power broker at like the last 30 seconds of the episode before we cut the credits. So that's who I'm thinking it is. Hopefully I'm right that the big cameo that comes back is Theodore Ross. That cool. would help. Yeah, it would be cool. It'd help confirm some of the theories and speculations that we've talked about here already at the end of these episodes. But it's shaping up like episode five is going to be another big episode. I think it's going to be similar to the other type of series we've seen where the penultimate episode is a lot of action, a lot of development. And then the last episode is wrapping up some loose ends, setting up the next part of the series. So I'm really expecting that next episode to be a pretty big one, potentially even the longest of all the episodes that we've seen to date. So next week should be a very wild ride. I can't wait. Awesome. And that is all that we have for you today. Please join us next week as we review episode five of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Until then, I'll be on your left and this rounds on me. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CKC Podcast. And if you'd like to support Jason and Christina and would love even more content, including bonus casts and movie reviews, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash CKC Podcast. This round is on me. Flag. Flag. Yeah, you're going to keep saying that every single episode. I get it. I get it. I have Wisconsin accent. Leave me the F alone. Um, Fancy arm, which was gifted to him. Yeah. Uh, I would keep wanting to say Moana. Jesus. By the Wakanda. Uh, Wakandans. Gi- gifted to him. The final countdown. We'll go to the Olympics, run track. Oh, uh, yeah. Just make sure your demons don't come out, okay? I ain't got none. <laughs> Should I ask Christina first <laughs> if you have any? <laughs> I cannot believe I missed this episode. In the previous episode, I I said that this guy was going to get the super soldier serum, and I missed this episode review. God damn it. <laughs>